Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Continue our series today called Not a Coconut. We're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. If you're like me, you grew up in church, you went to kids' church, uh, there was a song that would say, no, the fruit of the Spirit's not a banana, it's not an apple, it's not a pineapple, uh, but if you, if you want to be a pineapple, you might as well hear you can't be a fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. This is how we measure our life. That's how I want us as a church to measure ourselves. And let the product, let the effect of this church be things like goodness and kindness and love and patience. And so last week, if you remember, we talked about love. We said Paul talks about 1 Corinthians 13. It's the love chapter. And it says that love starts first. We've talked about the gifts of the Spirit and speaking in tongues, and those are all great things. But if we don't start with love, we've missed the whole point. He talks about how love will help weather the storms. It conquers storms in our life. If you remember, Paul says love hopes all things. It believes all things. It bears all things. It endures all things. And then lastly, we said love, it carries on. It never ends. It never fails for you. No matter what you go through. Like that song said, you're never going to give up on me. Because um, God is so good. And so second today, we are looking at joy. We're going to look at the fruit of joy today. The message is called turning joy into strength. Turning joy into strength. Joy is such a powerful quality because when things start from a place of joy, the possibilities are endless. You know, you become excited, you become thankful for what God has placed in front of you. I love a good story about a person who, against all odds, they were just passionate about what they did. And that passion turned into success. Think about the story of Phil Knight, and he was the founder of Nike. Think about, if you know um, who the person Steve Ballmer is, he was once a CEO of Microsoft. He is a very passionate, enthusiastic person. I love stories about people that have joy in what they do. Recently, I read a book called Joy, Inc., and it's written by a man named Richard Sheridan. He's the CEO and founder of a company in Michigan called Menlo Innovation. And Menlo Innovation, their mission statement was being intentional about restoring joy to technology. And this company, they would work with all kinds of end users, um, special projects, project teams, and their goal was to make technology easier to use. And they appeared on the Forbes Small Giants list, and they attributed a lot of their success as a company to their workplace atmosphere. And they received a lot of awards for business excellence and workplace. And Richard set up this company, Menlo, to work very counterintuitively to a lot of tech companies, a lot of companies in general. Instead of cubicles and offices and long meetings, they created the building to be completely open concept. Everyone had to work together in the same space. Some of you think, That's a, that sounds terrible. I would hate that. But they, they were able to see what everyone else was working on. And they found that this would actually increase problem solving. Because other people would walk over and say, what are you working on? Oh, how about, have you thought about this? It would increase problem solving. It broke down metaphorical walls of hierarchy. 
They, they decided even the bosses are not going to have their own offices. Everyone's going to work here. And it grew team chemistry. And he had his team always working in pairs. There was always two people to one computer screen. You might say, that sounds kind of inefficient, right? Everybody should have their own computer, be able to work hard. What they found is it prevented one person from having all the knowledge themselves. They called that a tower of knowledge. You know, well, Bill's the only one that knows how to do that. No, it stopped that from happening. They allowed them to onboard people faster because that was a natural part of how they did things. When you're new, you go and you become a part of a pair. And the pair change every single week when you're working with a new, new person. It increased quality and attention to detail because you had two people looking at the same problem. And it flushed out performance issues. Well, Ted didn't do work well working with Dan, and Ted didn't do working with Jeff. So who's the problem? It flushed out those performance issues. And I'm sorry, I, I like to nerd out on these things a little bit. I'm almost done with this business analogy for you. But I find this interesting. Lastly, they would allow their workers to bring their infants if they, if they had to. They would only work 40 hours, never over, never on weekends. And all these things, it created excitement for people they wanted to come to work and learn together each day. And when you're passionate and you're joyful about something, you typically work better, right? The atmosphere of your workplace contributes to the quality of your work. And Richard, in the book, he says he took this concept from learning the history of flight. We know the Wright brothers, right there, attributed with the successful first flight. The Wright brothers weren't the only ones trying to fly. There was competition at that time. There was another person named Samuel Langley, and he was also attempting to win that race in the first flight. And here's a quote from, from Richard's book. He says, there are many theories about why the Wright brothers were able to fly and Langley was not. I have a simple one. Langley was trying to build an airplane. The Wright brothers wanted to fly. Langley was pursuing history, glory, and financial rewards. The Wright brothers were pursuing joy. So Richard believes that the reason the Wright brothers succeeded was because they weren't in it for the glory. They didn't have that pressure of success. They were simply pursuing something with joy. They were fueled by joy instead of pressure. And I read back into the Wright Brothers story a little bit. They had a quote as well. They said, we were lucky enough to grow up in an environment where there was always much encouragement to children to pursue intellectual interests, to investigate whatever aroused curiosity. Whatever stirred up curiosity and joy, they were encouraged to pursue that as children. So today we're going to look at the power of joy and how to grow the fruit of joy in our lives. You ready? Yeah. Okay, three people. Good. Let's go. Uh, we're going to be reading in Philippians. Philippians, multiple times in Philippians, Paul says the word joy. He says to rejoice. So we'll look at chapter one. Let's start in verse three. Let's read that together. Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So Paul starts by addressing the church in Philippi. And he's essentially saying, every time I think about you, I am thankful for you. 
Every time that I pray for you, I pray with joy because you have partnered with me. This church of Philippi, and it helped Paul, financially supported them, but also they had blessed Paul with a strong personal relationship. It sounds like this group of people, this church, they, they genuinely cared about Paul's success and, and were concerned about his travels. And because Paul has this attachment, he has this history and memory, he could pray with joy for them. So our first point this morning, if we talk about how do we get joy, number one, joy comes from gratitude. You want to know how to get joy, how to receive joy? Start by being thankful for what God has done in your life. You can't be joyful and ungrateful at the same time. Can you, can you think of something in your life right now that you can be thankful for? I'm thankful that you're able to get here this morning. I'm thankful the rain didn't stop you from getting over here. I'm thankful that you're here, Rosemary. I'm thankful that you had the help to get out of bed and come here this morning. I'm thankful that you had a car that could get you here safely. If you're like me, that you have a car that's got a couple hundred thousand miles on you, you begin to be thankful when you get safely from point A to point B. I'm thankful that you're able to be here today. When, when you begin to take inventory of what all you have, and you begin to have thankful, you begin to be grateful for what you have, increasing that gratitude, watch your joy follow. Paul says, I thank God every time I pray, every time I have joy. And then he says this powerful verse, read verse 6 again. He says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, I saw the starting point. I saw the starting point of your church. And it's a great start. And I know God has got way more work for you to do and finish and complete what he started in you. Paul says, I'm sure of this. I'm confident of this. And you might say this morning, Matt, how can I be thankful? You, you don't know what I'm going through right now. You don't know the pain that I'm going through. It, it feels like I'm in a dry, I'm in a desert season. I would tell you right now today, take heart, have joy, because we serve the God who always finishes what he starts. And if your life isn't done, then he's not done moving through you. He's not done speaking to you. He's not done healing you right now. Amen. He is going to finish what he starts. I have joy because the same God that is in charge of my story was in charge of Jesus' story. And he came to earth, and we know that in the middle, he had to die. He had to go through a gruesome death, but that was not the end of his life. God saw him to completion when he was resurrected and he was ascended to the Father. I'm thankful that the same God that is in charge of my story was in charge of Joseph's story. The man that was sold to slavery, the man that was wrongfully imprisoned, that was not the end of his story. God made, he saw him to completion that he became the second most important person in an entire nation. I'm thankful that the God of your story is the same God of the story of Ruth. A woman who lost her husband unexpectedly, but God was not done. God gave her a man of God that through them the lineage of Jesus Christ would be born. Do you have something to be thankful for today? Clap if you've got joy because what God has started in your life, you will see it to completion. Take joy that God is committed to you. He is committed to completing what he started in you. 
Anyone can have joy through situations because joy is not conditional. Joy is not based on circumstances. It's in the confidence and the knowledge that God is watching over you and he will, he will finish what he has set out to start in your life. This morning was not the most joyful start to the day, I gotta be honest. It was a test of my joy. We had some of our stakes beaten up by the mower out front. I was like, oh, we forgot to take those out. We have a rainy day to start. That's okay. My joy is not based on the, what the weather looks like, right? My joy is based in the knowledge that God is in charge of my story. And there are certainly times when it's challenging to be grateful in situations, right? Amen. But just like you can, oh, there you go. I got an amen for that. But just like you can always find something to complain about, you can always find something to have joy in. You ever been around people that find something to complain about all the time? You don't want to really be around those people, right? You don't leave those people feeling inspired and ready to take on the day. No, you pray no, you, for them. That's right, you pray for them. You, you want to spend time with people who walk, you walk away from feeling better, feeling encouraged, feeling appreciated in your life. And I would start by having joy and celebrating if you're struggling to find something joyful in your life, how about you start by celebrating what God is doing in someone else's life? How about you start by saying, you know, what God is doing in other, when you do that, when you celebrate what God's doing in other people's life, you kill the anger, you kill resentment before you even get the chance to take root in your life. Don't spend your time on Facebook or Instagram looking at what they have or what they got to do because you're comparing your everyday life to their highlight reel. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, that person, that person got a promotion. Good for them. I bet they worked hard for that promotion. I'm happy for them. I have joy for them. They got that new car. Good for them. I'm thankful that they were able to have that. Just because I don't have it doesn't mean I can't celebrate what they have. I'm thankful when someone gets a promotion. I'm thankful when someone gets married. I'm thankful when someone has children. I'm thankful because I'm not going to allow comparison to rob my joy. You have a life of joy when you are thankful for what God has done. And you become confident in what God is doing, and you know what God will do. Joy comes from gratitude. Let's continue in Philippians. Let's read verses 7 through 11. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, he says, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. So Paul continues speaking to the church at Philippi, and he's thanking and he's praying to God with joy for them all. And he continues that prayer believing that love would abound, knowledge and, and discernment would increase, and they would approve what is excellent. We said joy comes from gratitude. Number two, joy leads to excellence. Joy leads to excellence. Filling up with joy leads you to living life with a spirit of excellence. Paul is saying here that, that joyful obedience to God will lead you to continue in love 
and knowledge and discernment, and you will approve excellence. It means you will understand what really matters, and you'll discover what's important. What is excellent, and you'll know what is not excellent. You might say, well, how does approving excellence translate to becoming excellent? Simply because we know what we approve, we become. What we allow inside of our lives. Look at Philippians 4. Later on in the book, Paul says this. You might remember this, this verse. Verse 8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about what is pure and you become pure. Think about things of excellence and you become excellence. A lot of times people think success and excellence will lead you to joy and happiness. But it's actually the other way around. Joy and happiness, contentment, will lead you to success and excellence. People are attracted to joyful people, right? People wanna be around people that are likable. And I had to give you an example, and I'm gonna preface, they're gonna play a video in a second here, but uh, there, there's a Super Bowl commercial that came out, I think in like 2006, and there's this guy who's super likable. People wanna be around him, and let's see what happens. Go ahead and show that video. Stanley, I'm sending you to Boston to make a good impression on the clients. Okay, but why me? Because you're so likable. Everyone likes you. Uh, I, I doubt that. No, seriously. Watch. Ah! Oh! Who threw that? Who threw Stanley, he's so funny. How does he come up with this time? He's so funny. They chose you for a reason, and you chose him. I don't want I just think that's really funny. I don't know if anybody else does, but that cracked me up when it first came out. There is joy in being around people that you like. You want to be around them. Joy leads to excellence. Because everybody likes him, he's now going to the embassy suites on this conference. Everyone likes him. Joy Inc., go back to that, that book that we talked about earlier, Menlo Innovation. Talks about when people had joy at their job, they did their work with excellence. The Wright brothers were successful because they had joy in learning. They had joy in innovating, and that led them to a successful plight. People want to follow passionate, joyful people. Having joy at work allows you to take pride in what you're doing. And the reason that people in work are struggling to find joy is because they're looking for success in their work to create the joy. Joy is not a product of success. Success is the product of joy. When we have joy, we do things with a sense of excellence. And I was thinking about this more, this concept, and I decided I wanted to Google it and see what was out there. Are people talking about this? Is this a, a relevant thing? So I Googled, you know, joy leading to excellence. And I found this article on Forbes magazine entitled, How Happiness Directly Impacts Your Success. The article was based on a, on a TED talk by this man, Sean Acker. Uh, he's a speaker, researcher, author, psychologist from Harvard. He talked about the happiness advantage. He said, your brain performs significantly better at positive than at negative, neutral, or stressed. Every single business, and here's what he said, every single business and educational outcome improves 
when we start at positive rather than waiting for a future success. Sales improve 37% across industry, productivity by 31%, you're 40% more likely to receive a promotion, nearly 10 times more engaged at work, live longer, get better grades, your symptoms are less acute, and much more. There's all the things that he's found in his research. And I don't, I don't know this guy, right? I don't even know if he has a relationship with Jesus, but if he can determine that happiness can improve our life and success, how much more can the fruit of joy and the life of a believer make a difference and an impact in our world and how we are living? Joy in your workplace, joy in your workplace leads to a greater level of success in your workplace. Joy in your relationships leads to a greater fulfillment in your relationships. Joy in your marriage leads to a stronger bond in your marriage. Joy in your family leads to a greater level of influence in your family. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Yes. All right, let me take you back to Scripture. Let's look at verses 12 through 14. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul continues to tell the church and assure them that what actually happens to him has increased the spread of the gospel. He says that if it weren't for being thrown in prison, how would these guards here know about Jesus? But through my being here, I have a testimony and an opportunity to speak with them. Paul is this, this ultimate glass half full guy. You can't, you can't take him down. You can't beat them down with anything. Like you and I would have been like, Paul, you're in prison. He'd be like, yeah, but the food's really, it's not that bad. I've actually made some friends here. Uh, we get some yard time every once in a while. It's really not too bad. I'm like, Paul, what? Are you okay? Do we need to get you checked into a mental hospital? Are you okay? He has, every time he spins it and has joy in his situations. Being around people like that, it just, it just makes you better. There's a guy, some of you may know him, John Ginder. He's a chaplain now. He is one of the most positive people in the world. All right, we were at a conference one time, and we were waiting for the next session to go, and uh, we had some Dutch Blitz cards. Any Dutch Blitz fans here? And so we were like, let's play for a few minutes here. Some of you are like, no, I'll never play that game. Um, so a few of us knew how to play the game, and, and he did not, so we were teaching him. And unfortunately, if you're the only person in a group that doesn't know how to play the game and you're teaching them, the only way to get better is to get destroyed like five, six, seven, eight times in a row before you start to get it. That's just how it works, all right? And so John, I'm a competitive person. John's actually a competitive person too, but as we're beating him really bad, he's like, wow, you guys are doing a great job. I'm like, John, you're taking all my competitive like, advantage out of this by just encouraging me while I'm beating you. That's not how this is supposed to work. And that's just how he continued to be. A few days later, we ended up playing volleyball with him. And I was on the same side, and every single time, whether it was our team or the other person's team, he would encourage them. He'd be like, great job. I'm like, John, no, this is not how trash talk works, okay? You want to tell them that they're bad, that we're going to beat them. He's like, well, that was a great hit by them. I was like, that's not how this works. I, I would hit the ball, and he'd go, Matt, that was a great hit. I was like, John, that was five, five yards out of bounds I hit it. It wasn't a great hit. He's like, no, but you had a lot of power on that. Next time, you're going to get that in. 
Next hit, I hit into the net. That was a great hit, Matt. It went right into the net, John. Yeah, but your, your floor was so good. Like, next time, you just want to be around those types of people. It's always encouraging. A few days later, we played in, in volleyball, and you just you couldn't stop this guy. And you might say, Matt, you, you don't understand what I'm going through in my life to have joy. Like, I hate my job right now. I have a terrible boss. It's very stressful. Paul is in prison. And yet he says, I have joy. I can rejoice because I know I'm making a difference right here, right where I am. You couldn't take away his joy. Skip down to verse 18 with me. Paul says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul saying, what do I care so long as Christ is being proclaimed? That's my mission in life. That's my goal. I don't have anything else beyond that. So if I'm proclaiming, if I'm fulfilling that mission, I've got joy. Our last point today, we've talked about where joy comes from, gratitude. It leads to excellence. And number three, joy sees the big picture. Joy sees the big picture. He sees God's plan. Joy doesn't allow for, for one thing to ruin it. Doesn't allow an inconvenience, a hiccup, or a bad day to ruin what God is doing. Paul is in prison, and yet he still has joy because he knows the end of his story. Pain and struggle, they are very real, but they're also temporary. Paul says, I rejoice in the fact that Christ is being proclaimed, but I also rejoice because I know that through prayer, remember church, prayer is so powerful, it has the strength through Jesus to deliver someone. Deliver them out of prison, out of sickness, whatever they're going through. And Paul says, I rejoice because I know this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul's saying, I can rejoice because I see the big picture. I can see there's a plan. Joy is not neglecting a present situation. But it's having confidence that God will work out things for our good and a greater ending. In fact, for those who believe in Jesus, there's the greatest ending we could ever hope for, right? We can take joy that God watches over us here, but we can also have joy that we're going to a place where there will be no more sorrow. There will be no tears. Amen. We will have love and the joy of the Father, eternity in heaven. Worship team, you can come join me as we get ready to close here. When you lose focus on God, though, that's when your problems become bigger. But joy shows you the big picture. Joy allows you to look up and see that the God of the universe is at work in your life. And when we remind ourselves that our strength, it doesn't come from ourselves, our strength comes from Him. Remember the Bible says in Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Putting our joy in God, that strengthens us. And I encourage you to look up and see today. See the bigger picture. See with joy. Remind yourself that your circumstance is temporary. 
Your pain is for a moment, but there will come joy. And we'll read one last portion of scripture before we close, and we're going to look at song. Because I want us to end today singing a song of joy as we close. In fact, why don't you go ahead and stand up as we get ready to close. Read this last scripture with me, Psalm chapter 34, verses 4 and 5. It says, sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. There might be pain, there might be sorrow, there may be struggles, but joy comes in the morning. We're going to sing today. We're going to praise God because we have the eternal favor of God and we have the joy of the Lord. Are you guys ready to sing this morning? Can we sing there's joy in the house of the Lord this morning? Come on, let's sing together this morning. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, Believe in the God who is bigger than you and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.